You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. And now as Pastor Greg shares the word with us, Lord, would you bless what he says and bless us as we listen and receive uh, scripture and just teaching and the things that um, Greg has prepared by your leading. So we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Blair. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Um, Yeah, we're so glad that you could be with us this morning, even for those that are online as well. Um, Today... We're going to be concluding our sermon series, This is the Will of God for Us, and, and we're all crying about that, right? Um, we just want it to keep going forever, right? Um, but th- that means that it's the end of the summer, and we're excited for the next sermon series, um, which we've titled Ears to Hear, and um, it, it's going to be good. So we're, we're excited about heading into that. Um, but this morning, we're concluding our sermon series, This is the Will of God for Us, which we, we've been we've been learning about what God's will and purpose is for us as the body of Christ and as individuals within it, according to the Word of God, what the Word of God says about His will. And, and if you've been following along with this series throughout the summer, I, I do hope and pray that it's been helpful and encouraging for you, uh, just as it's been for me. Um, and I hope that above all, you've come to learn that living out God's will isn't as confusing or ambivalent or undisclosed as as we often make it out to be. That God's not hiding his will from us. That it's quite the opposite, in fact. The reality of the matter is that that the whole story of the Bible, the whole narrative of redemption is is actually centered around God's desire to draw us back into his perfect will, to draw us back into knowing him and being the the image bearers that he's called us and created us to be. Psalm Psalm 37 verse 4, which which is going to be the the focus of our, our series concluding message this morning, says it like this, Psalm 37, 4. says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And yes, you, you heard that right. You read that right. God's will for us is to give us the desires of our heart. Is, isn't this promise amazing? And you might be thinking, wait, does God really want to fulfill my heart's desire? And the answer to that is yes, he does. He absolutely does. God wants us to, seeing, wants to see us living the lives we were created to live. He wants our hearts to be full. He wants to draw us into his good and perfect will. He wants us to step into our purpose and our callings. He wants us to be fruitful in the time we've been given. And so he says, delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. 
He wants this for us so badly that, that he send his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to take the weight of our sins on the cross so that we could know him, so that we can walk in the freedom of his presence and grace and purpose and in his plan. That, that is his promise, and this is his will and desire for us. Of course, we have to understand that this verse isn't revealing some magic formula to get what we want, right? Some magic formula like, like wishing on a star so that all our dreams will come true as we follow after our hearts, right? Um, God's not telling us he's a, he's a genie who, who, who grants us three wishes as long as we're in possession of his lamp, right? This isn't Disneyland. This, this is real life. Though, though we often approach God this way, don't we? For my will to be done. We... And I think we often confuse, excuse me, confuse our, tr- our heart's true desire with, 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 our, with our selfish or, or worldly desires. And then we wonder why, well, how come God didn't, didn't answer my prayer? James 4.3 reminds us, though, that you ask and, you, and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so there is a way to approach God wrongly. And it's to pray, Lord, my will be done. The, the opposite of this was, was taught by Jesus when, when he was teaching us how to pray, right? And, and he said, pray like this to the, to, to the Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This should be the desire of our hearts, as believers, if we've, if we've truly been saved and, and transformed by Christ, we should desire his will to be done. And Jesus is teaching us here that, that to step into the presence of God and contend for his will is, isn't, isn't supposed to be done begrudgingly like, oh, I guess, fine, have your way, God, right? No, no but, but passionately, desperately, willingly. Like the angels in heaven who, who, who are stoked and, and excited and passionate about doing God's will. They're ready to, to, to go wherever and do whatever is required of them at God's word because they know it's perfect and they know that it's good. And this is where we should be as Christians on earth. And so again, Jesus is teaching us here that, that, that a disciple's deepest desire one who has experienced his grace and whose heart has been regenerated by Christ, our deepest desire is for God's will to be done. Our desire is for God's will to be done. And, and, and this desire in our lives actually grows the more that we delight in the Lord. Because when we do... First of all, not only are our hearts completely satisfied in him because he alone is what we truly long for, but secondly, and at the same time, as we delight in him, our hearts become aligned with his desires. Let me explain those two points. Psalm, Psalm 84 verse 2 expresses this, this longing of our hearts for the Lord when it says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This this is the true cry of our hearts. 
To know God is what we truly long for and hunger for and desire, whether we know it or not, whether we accept it or not. This is our heart's desire. Our heart's desires cannot be satisfied apart from him. There's no such thing. And that's why God wants us to delight in him, and it's why Jesus came to make that possible, because he is what we long for. But the Hebrew word for delight also actually carries a deeper connotation of, of being soft and pliable, like, like clay or like Play-Doh. The lesson here being that, that, that we're molded and discipled and changed into the likeness of what we delight in or what we worship. And here is where we come to the, the crux or centrality of, of what both Psalm 37 verse 4 and Jesus' teaching on prayer is all about. It's that we're invited to, to humbly encounter God so that we can align ourselves with God. We're invited to humbly encounter God so that we can align ourselves with God. J.R. Packer writes this. He says, Here more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer becomes plain. Not to make God do my will, which is practicing magic, but to bring my will into line with his, which is what it means to practice true religion. To bring my will into line with his. So, so not to come before God so that we can change his will to look like ours or ask him to make us millionaires or do whatever we ask, right? Because eventually the world would explode, right? Has anyone here seen Bruce Almighty? That's like the one thing they got right in the movie. <laughs> when everyone gets what they want, the world goes haywire, right? Um, because we don't know what we want, right? But to come before God through the precious blood and righteousness of Christ so that, so that, our, that our hearts can be transformed by him, so, so that we'll begin to desire what he desires, love what he loves, and even despise what he despises. That is the, the temptations and desires of the world and our sin, right? First John 2, 15 to 17 it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is, is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the passage is saying that, that as Christians, as, as new creations in Christ, the desires of the Lord should look a whole lot more preferable than any temporary or, or fleeting desire that the world tries to tempt us with. It's saying that, that we can't love the world and love God at the same time. We, we love those in the world, like we love our neighbor, that's not what this is talking about, but we can't love the world, like worship and idolize the world and love God at the same time. If we love the world, we'll love the things of the world, but if we love the Father, we'll love the things of the Father. It can't go both ways. Besides, as, as one of my commentaries writes, or says, we, we will never be deeply fulfilled or happy with the things this world has to offer. If, if we place our joy and hope in God first, He will meet all of our needs. He will even grant our wants as our heart's desires begin to match up with His will. If we truly place priority on the Lord, chances are our heart's greatest desire will not be a brand new Rolls Royce, but eternal treasures 
in Christ. So as, as we encounter the Lord then, not as our genie in a bottle, but as a caring and disciplining Father who desires the best for us, as we encounter Him as holy and set apart, as, as sovereign over heaven and earth, as, as we consider the glory of His name and what His name means, that, that He's a God of justice, compassion, mercy, grace, and love, as we, as we consider who we are in Christ in light of who He is, as we live in the reality of His kingdom come, filled by His Spirit, as we come before Him with thanksgiving and praise for us salvation from sin through Jesus, how could we then not desire to pray for his will above all else? How could this not be our heart's desire? Lord, as we we look to you and see how glorious and sovereign you are, definitely not my will. How can we look at God and say, "Mm, my, my will, not yours? No, you can't. When we look on God, There's no way we can say, oh, my will. No, as we look upon God, definitely not my will, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and with our eyes on God and filled with his spirit, this is a powerful prayer, a life-changing prayer, an earth-shattering prayer. And again, one of the primary reasons we're, we're taught to pray this way and delight in him is because God has invited us to take part in his plan, to be his vessels, to share in his glory. The philosopher Blaise Pascal once wrote, God has instituted prayer so as to confer upon his creatures, us, the dignity of being causes. So what that means is we're taught to seek God because we're meant to be, in Jesus' name, active participants in the work and affecting purposes of God on earth. We're designed to be causes which affect the world in Jesus' name. This means that the world around us is eternally changed for the kingdom of God when our wills align with God's will, right? The world around us is eternally changed for the kingdom of God when our wills align with God's will. If, if, we, if we truly grasped this and, and spent more time delighting in the Lord, how much, how much more eager would we be to, to set aside our, our self-serving and, and temporal desires of our flesh and instead pray from the bottom of our hearts for God's will to be done? It's like the more, more time I spend with my wife and, and, and my kids and the, and the more my love grows for them, the less, the less I care about spending you know, money on myself. Right? I'd rather invest in them and, and help them with their needs. And this is what happens with our relationship with God. The more time we spend with him, the more time we delight in him, in prayer, in his word, in worship, in fellowship with other believers, right? at, at church or at community groups, whatever, the, then the more our hearts desire the more our hearts will desire to see his will be done. Which means then, since we're on the subject, that we do need to to humbly accept that this promise does call us to deny ourselves and the desires of the flesh. To seek God's will, we need to be ready and willing to deny our own wills, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Of course, Jesus himself 
exemplified this in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was about to be betrayed, abandoned, and become sin for all of us at the cross. And I've mentioned this before during this series, but it's worth mentioning again, because this is the ultimate example, right? He prayed this from Luke twenty-two forty-two: Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Right? That's an example. We can go to God and, and you know, have a conversation with him and be like, well, I would prefer this, God, but, you know, whatever you want, right? Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Even, even to the point of death on the cross. What a, what a costly but powerful prayer. A selfless prayer of, of submission, trust, and obedience, again, to the point of death, which saved our lives, which saved the world. That's the attitude we're called to have as his disciples. Less of me and more of you, God. I should also mention that, that when it comes to predicting the future, I'm, I'm pretty clueless. Anyone here really good at predicting, predicting the future? You know what's going to happen in the next 10, 20 minutes? No? <laughs> no, we don't. So why would I want my will to be done? And when it comes to actually knowing what my heart really, truly needs, I don't actually know that either. And, and in fact, without Christ, the Bible actually reminds us that, that our hearts are, are deceptive and, and, and evil and, and unknowable, and that our hearts can lead us to do all kinds of ungodly things, like give in to anger and envy and lust, sexual immorality, bitterness, greed, pride, the list goes on, and we've all been there. Right? Our hearts have, have led us to do stupid things, terrible things. Selfish things. And so unless our hearts have been made new in Christ, we should, we should probably be careful about telling people to follow their hearts in that sense. But in contrast to that, God, God alone knows our hearts. He knows what we need. He knows what's best for us. And he's gone before us to prepare the way. And so we don't always know what's, what's coming down the pipe or what God has in store for us, but we delight in him because we know that whatever it is, it's going to be good and perfect. It might be difficult. It might take faith, but we know he'll steer us rightly. As it says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I've been incredibly thankful that, that God has made my path straight throughout my life, even though I've tried to stray, right? I'm thankful that God refused to, to grant some of the things I tried to will for myself in prayer, you know, especially concerning that one ex-girlfriend that I had 20 years ago. It would have been nice, however, if, if he'd allowed the Vancouver Canucks to beat the Vegas Golden Knights on Friday, but whatever, I digress. Um, on that end, though, I, I, 
I think we, we often become frustrated when, when, when we're seeking God to come through for us, only to find out that, that, it's, that it's because we're still praying for our own wills to be done, right? So, so when we don't see something happen or when, when, when it feels like God hasn't come through for us in prayer, we, we think God's not answering our prayers, when in reality, He knows better and is in control and is actually answering the prayers we should have been praying if we actually knew His will, Right? I also, I also re- rejoice in God for the moments he's, he's called me to something that, that didn't make sense to me at the time, only to find out one, five, or ten years later that he had a plan, he had a reason all along. So like Jesus did for us, like he prayed for us, it's not my will, but God's will. We, we, we trust him. It's better for us. And the more we learn and delight in it, the more we'll desire it, no matter what it takes, no matter what we have to sacrifice. We'll desire to live out his will. And again, what does God desire? What does he desire? Well, the truth is we can't fully know the mind of God, but he's revealed a lot of his will and desires to us already, right? As we've been talking about all series long. Here's a quick overview, right? He, He desires to see all people saved, and come to repentance through Christ. He desires to see the church grow and flourish as the body and bride of Christ. He desires to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He desires to see us content and satisfied in him. He desires to see us growing in the knowledge of his word and in deeper relationship with him. He desires to see us living lives of prayer and thankfulness. He desires to see us love him and love others. He desires to see the poor and broken restored. And he desires to see us walking and living in good works. And if we're truly delighting in the Lord, we should long to see these things realized in our church and in our city, and around the world. These should be our desires. These desires should shape our lives and the decisions we make. Speaking of which, look, look what happens next after Jesus prays, not my will, but yours be done. Luke twenty-two forty-three. right after he prays that, it says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. So after praying, your will be done, God strengthens Jesus. And and we can surmise then that that if God's placed his desires on our hearts, that means he'll also prepare us, equip us, strengthen us, and even give us the spiritual gifts and boldness to accomplish whatever he's called us to do. If God's called us, he will equip us in the power of his Holy Spirit and establish our steps. Psalm 37, 23 writes it like this. The steps of man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Or as Sarah Fraser writes, generally speaking, those who seek and trust God will prosper within God's will. And in that that regard, there's another aspect to this as well, in that as we delight in God, he'll also at times place within our hearts specific or, or tangible desires as well, whether that's an objective or, or a calling or, or a desire to witness to somebody or, or help somebody in, in their trouble or in their sin, or whether it's specific plans or dreams or passions. And 
But with all that being said, and, and as, as we've discussed throughout the summer as well, is, is that one of the answers that's sometimes difficult for us to find and can often cause us some anxiety is, is when we're, we're seeking God's will for us in everyday moments in life, right? It's complicated because the Bible usually isn't too specific or too clear on some stuff. For example, one that, one that we've talked about at the beginning of the series, while we already know, generally speaking, that, that, that we should be Christ-like at work and work with integrity at work, but specifically speaking, we, we might not know where God is calling us to work, right? Place A or place B. But regarding this dilemma, let's not forget that God has given us his desires. He's also given us his wisdom and the leading of his spirit so that we can confidently make those decisions. So we don't have to waver and wonder. As it says in James, if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us. And, and, and so I think the point is the same, that the, the more that we grow in God, the, the more we'll be in tune to his leading and confident in our choices. I also believe that, that as, we, as we pray for God's will in these areas that, that aren't specific in the Bible, the Holy Spirit often stirs in our hearts a passion for something or, or, or gives us a peace or gives us gifts. Uh, uh, and of course, we always have the support prayer and counsel of, of our church community, right, which, which can help us seek God's guidance and, and pray for us and give us direction in these things as well. Though, with all that being said, he'll work in us w- whatever direction we go and wherever we find ourselves. If we choose to work at place A or place B, God's going to work his will through that. So we can be confident in that. And don't worry, there's always grace when, when we mess up. And there's always the promise that God can and will, will work all things out for the good of those who love him. And so we don't actually need to, to fret or worry as much when it, as, as we tend to do when it comes to making decisions in our lives, which the Bible isn't as clear about. But if you're the type that tends to get anxious about these things, don't, don't feel ashamed or guilty about that. Don't feel bad about that. In fact, God knows you. He knows your heart, Right? which is why we're reminded in his word that, that he also invites us to lay our anxieties and worries at his feet so that he can replace it with a peace beyond all understanding. But finally then, and, and if you don't mind me saying, when it comes to God's will, I guess you could say that, that our, our takeaway for this series can be that it's not all that complicated. Generally speaking, it's not that complicated. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So when it comes to God's will, we're to pray and, and live it out with confidence, not uncertainty. We'd be uncertain if, if we didn't know what to do or what to ask. But we're confident because we do know it. He hasn't hidden it from us like, like, like a puzzle we have to solve. We don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to follow the clues to where God's leading us. right? As we've been learning all summer, it's, it's right there, written in his word and on our hearts. 
And so when our prayers and desires are in harmony and aligned with who God is, with his character, with his will, we can have so much confidence that he'll come through for us that we can already rejoice in knowing it'll happen and that we already have it even while we still anticipate it. That's how much confidence we can have. Why? Because God's will is, is never thwarted. He's sovereign. If he wills something, it'll happen. So if we're truly seeking his will in our lives, we'll see it happen. We'll see it happen. And, and, and again, this kind of desire and confidence in our hearts can only come from, first of all, and continually encountering God. And so I could go on and on this morning and read quotes and list off more Bible verses because there's a ton about this. But I'm not going to because, again, it's not that complicated. It takes commitment and it takes humility and it takes reading the word. But it's not complicated to walk in God's will and to see the desires of your heart fulfilled according to his plan and purpose. All you need to do is delight in the Lord. And then everything else will follow. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Right? Delight in the Lord. Enjoy his presence. Worship him alone and with other believers. Commit our ways to the Lord as we live in obedience and do what we know he's called us to do. And of course, to read and grow in his word. And again, that's why as a church, we're going to be reading through the New Testament starting next Sunday. So again, as Bryce said, sign up for that. It's important that we're doing that as individuals and together as a community. Anyways, I do think that many of us miss out on walking in his will at times. Many of us miss out on on seeing our heart's desires fulfilled. And many of us falter in our decisions throughout our days and throughout our weeks and our years because we've been too busy delighting more in in our Netflix or, or our Instagrams or our careers, or our riches, or in our fleshly desires, or in our laziness, or whatever else. You know what you're delighting in by what you, what you desire. Right? And so we often don't know where God wants us to be, or, or what he wants us to do, simply because we haven't been pursuing that relationship with him, or living in obedience to his word. And we often wait until the last minute or only when life gets tough to ask him, oh, God, what should I do in this situation? But the point here is that that we're meant to delight in the Lord at all times so that when we hear his call or or when he places a desire in our hearts or or when we're meant to step out in faith or when an opportunity presents itself or when life gets hard, we're ready and equipped for it. As we learned through our series in Daniel, do you think Daniel would have been faithful to God if he wasn't already ready and equipped for it and already delighting in the Lord before that? No. Do you think Jesus could have proclaimed on, on the night he was betrayed, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done, if, if he hadn't spent the first 29 years of his life seeking and delighting in the Lord? Surely not. 
His desire to accomplish what God desired for him, even to the point of death on the cross, was because he delighted in the Lord with every fiber of his being. Jesus only did as the Father commanded and perfectly lived out the will of the Father because Jesus was constantly in the Scriptures and seeking and walking in his presence. And in the same way, this is the will of God for us. That we, re- that we receive the desires of our hearts, that we live out the will of God as we delight in the Lord. Let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, when we consider your glory, your holiness, when we consider your name, when we consider your ways, Lord, that your thoughts are, are higher than ours, Lord, or deeper than ours. But yet, you invite us into that. You invite us to, to partner with you. And that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to, to take the weight of our sins so that we can be reconciled to you, so that we can know you. Lord, I pray that we, we don't take that for granted, Lord God but that each and every day we we delight in you, that we place our focus on you. And Lord, as we do that, Lord, I pray that it says in Psalm 20, verse 4, that you would give us the desires of of our heart, Lord, that you would make us prosper in the plans that you have given us, that we would walk in your will, and that you would be glorified through it, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.